0: We're here, of course, uh, to discuss alternative revenue options for uh, airlines. And I'm uh, very pleased to have uh, uh, two of the airlines in the Middle East uh, with us today. Um, uh, Do you actually have any revenues uh, at the moment? I understand from you, uh, Vikas, that uh, uh, the operations are slowly getting back to normal. Uh, How has that been over the last couple of months?
1: Sure. Uh, so for us, uh, we for fortunate that uh, we, in fact, never stopped flying. We are the one of the only carriers in the world that continue to fly, of course, uh, with the restrictions and uh, with the uh, with the kind of mandate that we had uh, from different uh, governments and different uh, uh, airspaces. But we continue to uh, have our regular operations. So for us uh, to scale up the operations, as and when we are seeing, the opportunities have been relatively easy. And to make uh, things uh, even better for us, uh, the, the local uh, government has been very supportive uh, for aviation. Uh, right now, the visas uh, have been reopened uh, for uh, for uh, 68 countries uh, to come into uh, the kingdom of, of Bahrain. So all these things are, are kind of looking positive at this stage. Though if we look at uh, the pre-COVID levels, we are definitely nowhere close to what we were uh, operating at the pre-COVID levels, but still. Uh, we are slowly uh, ramping up the network wherever we're seeing the commercial opportunities and the sustainability with regards to the regulations, with regards to the traffic that we can carry. So uh, there is some amount of revenue uh, on the table, uh, definitely not compared to what it was. But uh, you know, we, we see from here on uh, things uh, will uh, improve uh, as uh, kind of uh, economies are opening up, as the air spaces are opening up. So within the GCC uh, we are seeing some windows of opportunities, Uh, uh, within uh, the region uh, there are some windows of opportunities, but then again all depends on uh, how the situation is on the ground and things change very very quickly and that's making uh, things a lot more complex for aviation currently because the regulations are practically changing by the minute, which is uh, kind of unsustainable for aviation because aviation needs open borders, aviation needs uh, uh, an open environment. Uh, to to kind of thrive and sustain, but we hope so. Uh, with with the now vaccine in sight, as well as uh, with other governments uh, looking at measures uh, with PCR testing, are now almost getting standardised across the geographies. So all these things uh, will uh, bring some sanity to the to the to the uh, movement of aircrafts, and uh, we will see ramp up from here on.
0: And uh, how has that been in uh, Kuwait, Ratan? Uh, uh, it's interesting uh, what we
2: stated, because for us, from March, when Kuwait actually shut down the airport completely for commercial movements, till July, uh, we actually, it was, it was an eye opener for us, because we operated on behalf of the government, a lot of frequencies across places where we never flew before, bringing back uh, citizens of Kuwait back to the country. So that for us was a, a revenue stream that kept us going because they were literally government charters. So the, the prices there were pretty really decent fixed prices and uh, so there was a, a, a certainly healthy income being generated. Of course, from a scheduled standpoint of view, there was nothing operating till July end. In August, there were certain bubbles that were created between especially the regions that you know are strong in this part of the world but then uh, the government here took a drastic step and put a ban on 31 nationalities entering the country of which six or seven of them were the main workforce here so that kind of put a a dampener on our screws because the charter flights were done and we were na- then looked to fend for ourselves so What we did was we ramped up frequencies immediately into the kind of airports that were open. If I may say openly, Turkey was one of the places that was completely open. So we put in frequencies into Turkey immediately. The UAE opened out, so we put in frequencies to UAE. But uh, I would be very honestly saying here that I'm not even operating 15% of my normal uh, frequency. Uh, One saving grace is, because of the limited number of seats available, the yield has gone up considerably. So that from one side is, is, a, is a saving grace, but uh, I'm nowhere where I should be. I mean, I'm hoping that in the coming months, as we got stated, if some more people open up, we should see some traction, but uh, it's interesting that you know what we are discussing today is critical to everybody in the region because the standard revenue stream is, is really not going to sustain sustain us
0: and prior to uh, this covid situation uh, were you already having uh, any uh, non transport revenue models such as partnership deals or uh, retail sales uh, on board were, were you working with certain partners we were uh,
2: we were working on as you, as you know we are a, a, a low cost model so one of the primary streams for us was Uh, buy on board so that for us we were continuously improving on that offering more products you know looking at uh, different routes being sensitive to different kind of uh, you know intakes so they we were looking at an ancillary stream that was gradually growing but uh, now we've been forced to kind of do a 360 degrees and because there's really no buy on board because of social distancing so most of the, of the uh, authorities don't allow you to serve food on board because it's, uh, it's ensuring that the cabin crew is distanced from the customers and vice versa. So that, that stream will probably come back once operations come back to normal for us. So we've been forced and you know, uh, the necess- necessity has been there for us to try and look at any other revenue stream that, that we could generate.
0: And how has it been uh, with you, uh, uh, Vikas? Were you already working on uh, uh, partnerships uh, prior to COVID? And and has that uh, changed uh, in recent times? See, pre-COVID, what we were
1: looking at, we had a five-year plan for ourselves, which was to establish uh, Gulfair as a boutique carrier. So uh, a lot of uh, investments were being done in that direction with regards to the fleet modernization, with regards to the changes in the service patterns, and uh, also uh, looking at uh, digitally transforming uh, the airlines into becoming a kind of a true retailer. So we were, in any case, embarking on the parts of uh, NDC. Uh, We were looking at uh, creating uh, new platforms for uh, the other like-minded players to come and uh, work with us. Especially in the non-air uh, uh, ancillary uh, part. So this was uh, all pre-COVID. A uh, good thing uh, that we have kind of uh, done is uh, we have continued uh, on the same strategy uh, moving forward. So we are we have kind of accelerated uh, all these programs uh, internally, uh, which basically this whole thing gives us a little breathing space because uh, the normal uh, traditional sales were not coming through. But what we did was we in during this period of time we did a little introspection and. Uh, Fast-track all those projects uh, that could uh, really help us uh, become a true retailer in coming times. So we are setting ourselves uh, for a new future. Uh, we are setting ourselves towards uh, towards a a future which is more uh, digital, which is more customer-centric. So uh, a lot of uh, investments and a lot of uh, focus within the organization is driven uh, towards that. So that's where we are trying to steer uh, the organization. Uh, we had some uh, kind of I'll say very uh, raw forms of uh, ancillaries that we were selling uh, in the pre covid era but what we will uh, do moving forward is uh, become a lot more structured uh, in our appro- approach looking at uh, distributing it across uh, all possible channels uh, so making the content a seamless uh, across board for for our customers that they tend to create more uh, touch points with them uh, uh, perhaps digitally to make sure that uh, they can connect with us and they can uh, purchase uh, as well as uh, they can uh, experience uh, the changes in uh, service patterns that we are uh, bring bringing toward the, toward the customers. We very recently we became uh, one of the first carriers to actually operate a 321 uh, uh, LR within the region. So we took delivery. So we are taking the deliveries of the aircraft. We are uh, we are basically uh, embarking on the same path that we were we had set for ourselves pre-COVID levels. Uh, definitely with a reorientation uh, towards a more digital future.
0: And you are clearly indicating uh, um, uh, delivery of new aircraft, uh, uh, perhaps even additional uh, investments. I think uh, some of the airlines, uh, especially here in Europe, are uh, struggling big time. Uh, They're also depending on uh, government uh, Mm bailouts, governments then putting in uh, certain measures uh, on where the money should go. Um, Isn't that something that uh, you're also experiencing over there?
1: The whole uh, business model had to be uh, relooked upon. So there are certain uh, commitments uh, that you cannot uh, just uh, ignore. So we are going ahead with the commitments as far as possible. They definitely we were embarking for this year. Uh, we had planned a lot of uh, route expansion, which is being uh, kind of uh, withheld, and it will be done uh, when definitely situation becomes more commercially sustainable. Uh, but for uh, for us, uh, it's it's very important to hold ground and uh, make sure that we prepare ourselves uh, for for a bright new future.
0: And uh, uh, Ratan, I uh, read about uh, 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 what you are now offering your passengers, for example, uh, discounted uh, middle seats. Is that something uh, in which you uh, see that there is a lot of interest? Yeah, it's very
2: interesting that you've done that. As a matter of fact, I'm not only offering the middle seat, but since our, we have a single fleet of uh, 320s, I have uh, three seats together and then the aisle. So We also are offering the passenger the, the ability to actually block the whole row. So if he wants, if he's got seat number A, then he can buy B and C and make sure that there's nobody sitting next to him throughout the, throughout the flight. Uh, the reason we can do this quite aggressively now is the seat factors are not that hot. So there is, there is capacity going begging. And at the moment, we're offering it as something that the passenger is it's a luxury that he can you know afford, if that's the right way to put it. Under normal circumstances, maybe you wouldn't have been able to buy two extra seats and block the whole row. But this is something very interesting because people are quite wary about who is sitting next to them, unfortunately, these days. So they would prefer to be seated, seated as uh, You know, alone as possible. So that is something that we're seeing an appetite for people. We will see the true impact of this as the the route get back to normalcy. And then the pricing of these extra seats will change based on the supply and demand of uh, the normal inventory sale. So it's, it's going to be quite interesting. But at the moment, instead of me letting the seat go empty, I'm trying to generate whatever I can out of you know, selling it to somebody who's ready to put some money on the table
0: and, and do you do do you have similar uh, concepts uh, vikas is it something that uh, that you see at uh, other airlines as well in the region yeah, do
1: you think, uh, doing the next seat empty next seat uh, or next couple of seats to be bought uh, from that perspective? So we have seen that uh, concept, Uh, we have been, uh, uh, our customers can uh, purchase seats uh, when they travel with us and they can select where where they are seating. Uh, For us, we're seeing uh, in fact uh, a a new trend which is a lot of customers uh, are upselling themselves to business class. So there is a pent up demand for business class which because it offers a, a lot more exclusivity as well as spacing for a customer. So we've seen uh, that uh, market segment uh, actually, uh, I'll say, uh, expanding faster than uh, the normal uh, demand, which is which is good. Uh, from this is all short term. Uh, I, I agree with Ratan. As things go normal uh, and things uh, become a, a lot more competitive, then the competitive price bands will come in. But at this point in time, because there is uh, almost scarcity of. Uh, capacity in most of the routes uh, and uh, most of the airlines are operating uh, the trunk routes uh, as far as possible. So definitely there is a lot of demand uh, for for traffic to uh, get back. So there are these people who want to get back to their own countries. There are people who were out of countries come want to come back. So still we are in that phase of uh, almost uh, we can say it's it's still a phase of repatriation uh, than actual commercial travel. So the actual commercial travel, as in when um, kind of it kind of starts uh, and uh, there is a, a ramp up, then the dynamics uh, definitely will be different uh, from what they are today.
0: Another thing that we are seeing here in Europe is that uh, some of the airlines that operate uh, intercontinental uh, flights, uh, such as uh, Singapore Airlines or uh, Emirates, uh, but also uh, uh, our local airlines, uh, such as BA or uh, KLM, they uh, they operate the uh, intercontinental flights with uh, very few uh, passengers on board, uh, but at the same time they're able to uh, take on a lot more cargo. Has that been uh, something that uh, you've also been doing uh, in these uh, couple of uh, last couple of months? Uh, yes. <laughs> Rude, very
2: interesting and uh, that is something that actually has been an eye-opener for us because many of the routes that we operated, as I told you, the return flight was literally a ferry. So by by default, we ended up picking up cargo, so much so now that we are in the process of actually seriously looking at uh, reconfiguring some of the fleet to full cargo because the cargo revenue that we saw generated during this time is pretty serious. And uh, the, the the prices of, of anything any commodity is uh, being carried has gone up because of the inability of uh, you know airlines to meet the demand. So it, that's very interesting. You brought that up, but we are seriously, uh, as we speak, in the process of changing some of our aircraft configurations to complete cargo. What we also did was we carried cargo in the cabin, of course, following all the safety and uh, the norms that are dictated by the manufacturer and we were able to at sometimes able to carry 19 tons on an a320 neo by loading the, the top and the bottom which which then opened an eye and said why don't we convert this to a full freighter And uh, because you can continue from your side
1: yeah, from our side also uh, cargo demand has uh, certainly uh, been a very kind of healthy demand. Uh, again, it's all uh, linked to uh, uh, what I would say is uh, demand and uh, supply because uh, since the normal, traditional, uh, either the freighters or the uh, aircrafts were not operating and there so a lot of restrictions, so uh, the movement of uh, goods uh, between the geographies uh, became all the more important and there was an opportunity to capitalize on that and we did, uh, uh, again, you know, a very similar experience of uh, operating uh, ferry flights uh, because of repatriation and coming back uh, with the full belly uh, of cargo. Uh, we also did a couple of flights, uh, and we we were uh, very good about it. And we on a seven eight seven, we did carry uh, cargo on our uh, on our passenger seats again, with the regulations as well as safety of the seats in the cabin in mind. Uh, and it was uh, super successful. But uh, these are all. Uh, you know those uh, measures that uh, you would do are uh, looking at very closely at the market and market opportunities and uh, whatever comes your way you grab that and uh, this this has been a good revenue stream uh, in this uh, times so, yeah.
0: Um, Have you also uh, been uh, looking at uh, some new concepts or uh, things that are perhaps uh, related to uh, the situation that we find ourselves in? I know that some airlines, for example, are now offering Uh, to transfer uh, the luggage to uh, the hotel uh, that people are staying at or to their homes uh, because uh, people don't want to wait next to a luggage belt uh, next to people that uh, they're uh, uh, well they are not sure whether they carry uh, the virus or not Uh, yes if i may
2: may. because you want to go Uh, uh, Rude, something interesting that we actually noticed was there are many countries now who are insisting that people carry out a polymerized chain reaction test before boarding plane, and it's almost mandatory. So that is a revenue stream that we are seeing because what we've noticed is that we're able to tie up in bulk with the clinics and offer a, a more attractive price, if that's the right word to put it, to the customer. And there are some cases where we're trying to build that into the pricing as well, so that the guy, uh, he or she can you know use our ticket and get a test done at the clinic without having to go and pay anything there. So it you know, saves them time. We are also setting up a testing facility of, because we operate from our own terminal, we have a dedicated terminal of our own in Kuwait. One of the, one of, I think the only airlines in the region who operate with their own terminal. We built it and run it by ourselves. So yeah. we've actually, we've actually built up a clinic there. And as we speak, we're starting to. There are some countries uh, in in the Indian subcontinent who are insisting that nobody can board without a a certificate. So we actually set up a clinic there with testing facility, and it applies for both. You can either come and pay and do a testing, or if you've already included in your ticket. You are then eligible to just go and get the testing and get a certificate and fly out within the. How, just, uh, how long do uh, the te- these tests take? Uh, these tests the usually takes uh, anything between twenty four to thirty six hours for the result to come out. So the the passengers uh, is pre warned and aware that he has to do his ticketing and everything in advance to make sure that he's able to pick he or she is able to pick up the ticket before before they leave and also what you mentioned is interesting that we have also tied up for drop off of bags currently uh, honestly there's no uh, buddy staying in hotels here because it's not there's nobody coming in here as a tourist but most of the people are returning back home who don't mind paying a little bit of money to get the to avoid the hassle of waiting as you mentioned in a, in a in a line for bags and you know exposing themselves to people who uh, even not only the people that travel with the, the people on ground, like the you know, the ground staff things like that, they don't want to get too close to. So, that is something else we are offering of home delivery of bags. And we're also looking the other way around, but it's not really kicked off as we wanted, is actually picking up bags for people who are checking in as well. So, those are the two other revenue streams that we
0: think can, you know, fly. If that's the right word. Thank you. And Fikas, perhaps on the same topic. Uh,
1: From far side, uh, we have been looking at uh, the option of, uh, you know, home check-in. Now it has uh, its own uh, uh, because you have to have uh, the the immigration back side as well. We've been exploring that option, and uh, maybe in near future we will uh, introduce that for our customers uh, boarding from uh, the kingdom of Bahrain. Uh, for for what we've done is uh, throughout the airport we have made uh, the uh, the whole t- touch points almost contactless for uh, for the passengers. So passengers can seamlessly and uh, you know very safely uh, uh, touch rather than touching and uh, guard coming to the check-in counters can self-service themselves and uh, uh, go to the gates. Uh, so that's that's something that has been uh, very recently started across. Uh, all airports uh, that we operate into, so uh, we are trying to uh, unify and uh, standardize uh, that operations uh, for the passengers to uh, feel safe when they travel. Uh, we were, in fact, one of the few airlines in the region uh, who came out with uh, a kind of a ten-point uh, checklist uh, even before uh, the IATA uh, mandated and IATA kind of prescribed uh, a checklist for for the passengers. Uh, trying trying to address all touch points for the passengers and making it uh, making it safe. Making it uh, secure and making it uh, contactless for the passengers uh, to go through. So, from uh, from from that perspective, uh, uh, again, the PCR testing uh, we have uh, uh, we have been coordinating with the uh, government here, and the government is managing that uh, on uh, on behalf of uh, all airlines that are coming into the country. And uh, uh, the, the, the process has been streamlined uh, for for the same. And for the uh, for the countries uh, that require the PCR testing. Uh, making sure uh, that the the labs and uh, also the airlines uh, are synchronized because uh, we have seen uh, in a number of uh, geographies where uh, you know these certain uh, countries only mandating certain uh, testing facilities uh, across in different countries so all these things uh, are trying we are trying to standardize it as far as possible because without standardizing and because without making it easier for the passengers it's very difficult for the passengers and the passenger confidence to come back to, to help them, to enable them to bring, uh, uh, bring themselves to uh, a point of where they'll say yes, I can travel uh, for we are trying to make uh, things as easy as possible for them. So there will be definitely changes in the uh, way we operate, changes in the way uh, we uh, have been um, uh, assessing uh, uh, our passengers and we have been interacting with our passengers but definitely uh, all is uh, happening in the direction where passengers uh, can get that feeling of safety and security when they come and uh, travel and,
0: and, and looking uh, ahead at the future uh, you are already uh, referring to uh, passenger confidence um What are your expectations on uh, traffic levels to uh, return to uh, 2019 levels? How long uh, do you expect this is going to take? And do you expect, for example, also differences in different segments of uh, travellers? Will the business travellers return first? Uh, are they uh, forced to uh, continue to uh, work from home more, or do you expect that there to be less business travel um, uh, in the near future?
1: In the market, in the market we are uh, we to business travel to be a little longer to return back. Uh, it will be uh, the single leisure traveler uh, and the DFR travelers who will come back uh, faster than the business travel. Now, the business travel, especially within the region, uh, we have seen now with the advent of uh, all the uh, technology uh, that you know that day travel, uh, which which was a very predominant uh, kind of travel within uh, the region, uh, will definitely not be something that we can see in the near future to come back because people have got used to Microsoft Teams to. Skype to Zoom so all these things uh, will definitely have an impact on that day travel uh, and the day travelers uh, that people who are doing day trips uh, within the region but definitely uh, what we will we are seeing is uh, there is a, a, already a built up demand for, for uh, the mid um, mid uh, leisure travel to come back the faster family- are eased out. These will be the first segments uh, that will scale longer. Now, how much longer is anyone's guess at this point in time? Because things are changing as, uh, as we said, uh, at every practical day. Now, things become uh, easier uh, by the day. Then, when we see there is a halt in the trials that we just witnessed uh, across certain geographies, which will definitely have an impact on the uh, overall sentiment uh, for travel. So, all these things are changing so dynamically that to predict that the business travel or the general travel will be back to 2019 levels in 12 months, in 24 months, in 36 months, or maybe in 6 months. Uh, it's it's a kind of a wild guess at this point in time.
0: And for you, uh, Razzan, what are your expectations?
2: (laughs) It's interesting that uh, what you mentioned is is spot on. Uh, The few routes that we're operating today, we've seen that, uh, I'm sorry to put it very bluntly, it's like letting a caged animal loose. So there are a lot of people who've been homebound for so long and they're desperate to get out. So we are seeing a huge intake from the leisure angle, for sure there are people who are getting out who own homes in let us say on the coast or homes or own homes in in europe or even in turkey going out and you know living there for a month things like that so that seems to be the main flow of traffic that we are currently seeing and uh, as vikas rightly said the business traveler i really don't hedge any bets on them coming back in a big rush because uh, they they have facilities and they've got used to you know running the business sitting at the office or, you know, homebound as, as may be the case. But uh, the interesting part here is uh, there's a lot of people who we discussed are rushing back for their jobs or going back to they join their families. And in the midst of all this, in the expansion plans, what I've seen, and, and I'm not going to make any commitment on when we're going to reach the 2019 levels. And uh, I mean, the, the gut feeling is it's not going to be in a short while. Sure. Because there are restrictions based on many airports, on capacities, on frequencies, which means that, you know, your hands are tied in many ways, even if you want to fly. But one interesting aspect that has come out of all of this is there are many slot constrained airports that are today reaching out to us saying, do you want to come in here? Which for me is, is you know, is great news because all along when we struggled to get slots in certain airports, It was it was a no no, but now the same airport is coming back to us and saying, "Do you want a slot?" So what we might do is we might you know change some of our operations to go into airports that were previously constrained.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. uh, Yeah,
2: yeah, it's very interesting that this happened, and we I mean I will not mention any names, but it's quite obvious everybody knows what are the airports we're talking about. So that is actually giving us a huge different uh, game plan. That's the right word to use because. We are one of the few LCCs that can actually, we we were connecting all of Europe where we fly into the subcontinent with a one-stop, low-cost product. And this now opens up a different gate for us because once the Indian subcontinent is fully open, then we start offering a low-cost product into, into parts of Europe that we were not able to before.
0: the low cost carriers often come out best uh, from a crisis. So uh, uh, here there's another example of uh, how you are planning to do so. Um, Another interesting uh, concept that uh, uh, I heard about was that uh, certain airlines are offering uh, prepaid tickets now. Uh, to uh, redeem later uh, and then offering uh, significant discounts on future flying. Is that something that uh, uh, you've looked into as well?
2: Very interesting. This has been happening to a lot of carriers who need cash flow. Yep. And unfortunately, we are not in that space. I'm not running after cash flow because what I will do is I will damage the future by selling my capacity out at a low price just to get cash and then struggle later on when I really want the money to come in and the prices are high, I've already given my capacity away. So I'm a hardcore revenue management guy in network planning. So I do not anticipate giving anything away for free just to get money into the into the till, so as to say. I'd rather wait. You know we are fortunate that we have money to wait. Maybe not everybody is in the same situation. But we are not planning to give away anything right now because when the when the demand comes in it's going to come in at a, at a, at a price it's not going to be given away cheap yeah
0: yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah i don't know what is because thoughts on that are what but...
1: i kind of uh, echo those uh, sentiments from our perspective as well we have uh, we have seen that whenever demand is coming back it's coming back uh, at a very fast pace And wherever we have introduced capacities, it has been taken up very quickly. So we have held back uh, that thought process of uh, of selling tickets in advance. Though we have uh, made a lot of uh, uh, concessions for the travelers with regards to the changes, with regards to the uh, tickets that they were already holding. So those are all uh, in place uh, for the travelers uh, so that, you know, they have uh, that uh, if they have bought their tickets with us, uh, that ticket value is safe for us. So we will rather service those passengers rather than uh, chasing uh, out passengers who are out there in the open and uh, fishing around uh, for for deals uh, to come in because uh, as and when the capacity will be done, introduced in the diff- in different geographies for the short term uh, we are expecting there will be a, a built up pent up demand and uh, it will stabilize at some stage. So we will like to go with that flow rather than uh, exposing ourselves uh, at this point in time and offering uh, huge discounts for the passengers uh, and uh, to be redeemed later in form of let's uh, say prepaid yeah. credit or something like that but what we definitely uh, are still exploring uh, is uh, is kind of a, a subscription based model which we are still exploring uh, that uh, whether that can be a good fit uh, for our travelers yeah. but that will roll out in uh, due course, uh, we're not in rush to do that. Yeah. Uh,
2: Rude I might want to add something else if you permit me please, Rude. Yeah. That, uh, that we will notice something very interesting, which is actually going to uh, piggyback on what we just discussed is, because of certain restrictions being raised on people coming into Kuwait from uh, points, as I mentioned earlier on, they're permitted to enter after staying 14 days in an intermediate point. Uh, So there are places that we're seeing traffic coming in where we fly, that the passenger is ready to pay three or four times more what we were charging normally just to get back home in a rush after spending 14 days, because it's a lot of money to be spending to stay in another country midpoint for 14 days, whatever it is. Yeah. And that is is highlighting what I'm saying, because if I had to leave my capacity, you know, wide open at low prices, I wouldn't have been able to pick up this demand. Yeah. That's something I just want to highlight. Thanks.
0: One, one uh, other thing that um, uh, I saw some data uh, that um, in normal times about 50% of people uh, buy their ticket uh, more than three months uh, ahead of the flight, whereas at present it's uh, 50% uh, buying the ticket less than three days uh, before flying, which makes it extremely hard for airlines to come up with a with a winter schedule or uh, anything of a schedule um how are you dealing with that uncertainty uh if,
2: if i may say in our case Ruth, all along the model that we ran except for the summer peak we never saw this phenomenon of people buying in advance the rest of the time my booking curve is extremely small yeah and, and that is why we were able to run a profitable business because I was able to price things in a short time with, with a clear upsells within maybe the last week. So I would have flights sitting with, you know, hardly 10 or 15% seat factor today booked. And then next Friday is full 100%. So yeah. we've always had a very short window. And uh, I'm sure Vikas would also, you know, confirm what I'm saying because we are in the same region, except yeah. in the summer, Week when the expats and their families go out and also during the December time and everybody wants to go back to Christmas with their families. I have not seen that kind of such a heavy uh, numbers booking so much in advance. So yeah, maybe it's yeah. a great really market.
0: Uh, here we see that uh, around uh, most of the school holidays, the summer period, uh, the Christmas break, etc., uh, a lot of people tend to uh, uh, book their flights uh, a long time in advance. And now, because there's so much uncertainty, uh, yeah, people just wait, and that makes it extremely hard for the airlines to uh, come up with a with a schedule. Yeah,
2: and also yeah. the forecasting very very complicated because we're depending on previous forecast which had a certain flow and now all of a sudden you can throw the forecast out of the window
1: so i yeah. basically from uh, ratan with regards to the uh the changes in the demand and demand patterns and also buying buying behavior for the customers uh, so we have seen that uh, for ourselves as well in any case the booking curve was shorter uh for us for uh, most of the markets but the, for us uh, the traffic between uh, asia and uh, europe or vice versa was a traffic that was uh, booking uh, in advance. Now that demand at this point in time is not there, but as and when the demand comes back, uh, we are seeing that uh, the, per, the purchasing decision is now also being substantiated with other factors. So people are looking for the safety, people are looking for the measures uh, at different airports, people are also looking at uh, how quickly can they get from point A to B. So all these factors uh, uh, are actually uh, the decision-making factors for the, for the passengers and we are going to adjust uh, our pricing uh, accordingly. So that's, that's what the adjustments are happening at, at the pricing end. And we are seeing across the across board most of the carriers, uh, especially the legacy carriers as well as low cost carriers, uh, are, uh, are basically playing the patient uh, waiting game uh, rather than rushing into the markets and uh, exposing themselves.
0: Um, Maybe uh, to slowly uh, draw this uh, interesting conversation to an end, Um, I'm really uh, uh, pleased about the positive outlook that you both uh, seem to have on the recovery and also um, the uh, different... Uh, ideas that you shared with uh, the audience on uh, getting the additional uh, revenue uh, from the uh, passenger. Um, uh, Are you uh, looking at uh, some of the other airlines uh, operating in the region or perhaps even uh, in Europe or Asia on uh, the advances that they are making and what they are doing? Yes. Yes, it's
2: very interesting you said that because they always say that there's nothing wrong in in learning from others. I mean, I I think it's very healthy to to implement best practices that others have successfully looked at. So we are constantly looking at the infrastructure, as Vikas mentioned, we're looking at how all the airports are handling, uh, you know, the passenger flow with least amount of interaction with another human being and looking at implementing this uh, at all touch points we're looking at some of the practices that the very successful uh, in our case uh, low cost carriers have done and i must say in this case uh, we are actually doing something very interesting we were one of the few guys in the area who were on gds being a low cost and we are now as we speak pulling back into the the, the you know the true dna of low cost of only doing direct selling without involving any any gds and that he took this page from the book of some of the successful European low cost guides. So we did a lot yeah. of analysis during this time and we found out that our cost of sale was going much higher purely because of the GDS, uh, functionality coming in. So I'm, I'm sure that I'm speaking very openly about this, but we've now decided to pull back and go back to the true DNA of, of low cost, where there's no chance of any, any agents abusing the inventory. There's no chance of bookings being on hold, you know, Everything yeah. like that, and the cost of sale of GDS also is extremely higher. So, since I, I come from a background of having used GDS very extensively in my previous uh, organizations, but uh, I realized the value of uh, you know reducing cost of sale during yeah, these different yeah. times. So, these are some of the lessons that we have you know picking up from the others, and we'll continue doing that. Uh, as I said, there's no shame in in following somebody who is is doing
0: something successful. There's no you know there's nothing wrong with that. And you because are you looking at uh, any of the other uh, airlines and what they are doing in these uh, uh, special times
1: and how others are doing and uh, uh, I, I also believe uh, that uh, innovation is uh, all about uh, adapting to uh, whatever is being done and uh, making it uh, the way that you can uh, commercialize it so from that perspective uh, using that example we are very closely watching uh, this space so there is a lot of there are a lot of changes as the is mentioning in the distribution space so we are we have been very closely watching uh, that space uh, we are as a as i indicated earlier we are in the advanced uh, stages of uh, rndc trials so we are looking at uh, uh, making the customer touch points uh, a lot wider uh, for for the customers to come and interact with us and giving them an opportunity to come in From whichever channel uh, and whichever route they want to uh, come and uh, buy their tickets and interact uh, during their uh, customer life journey uh, throughout uh, the value chain. So that's just something that is being very closely looked at. Uh, As I said that we are making a lot of uh, technology uh, kind of uh, investments right now. Making sure that uh, when we come out uh, on the other side uh, we we kind of uh, adapt ourselves to become a a retailer uh, in this space. Rather than uh, just provider of uh, airline tickets and uh, airline services to our passengers. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, uh, with that, uh, I would like to thank uh, both of you um, uh, for taking the time uh, on uh, today. Uh, on uh, what for you, Vikas was a, a, a day off. Uh, I think the same for you, Ratan. Um, but uh, very interesting uh, to uh, hear what you're doing uh, at the moment and uh, again uh, extremely uh, pleased to hear uh, the positive outlook you have uh, on the market Uh, let's hope uh, this is indeed uh, what the future will bring Uh, I'm sure that many airlines in uh, this region here uh, are uh, jealous of uh, what they hear uh, that you've been up to uh, over the last uh, couple of months and uh, I wish you all the best. Uh, Thank you also uh, for the audience for listening uh, to us and uh, uh, with that, uh, thank you.
2: Thank you very much, you, you and the team. And, uh, you know, we wish everybody keeps safe and the business comes back as soon as possible to what levels we want it to be. Thank you very much. Thank you,
1: so Thank much. you guys. Thank you, Ratan. It was always pleasure talking to you guys and, uh, you know, definitely wishing everyone all the very best uh, of innovation. Thank you.